Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are finally getting to talk about a Sam Raimi movie. I certainly bring up Evil Dead enough on this podcast, but he's back with a new movie, back to the Marvel franchise, although his first time in the actual MCU. We are talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It is the second Doctor Strange movie. It is the 28th MCU movie. Ridiculous. But uh, it's, of course, making a ton of money, and everybody's seeing it, and we are going to talk about it with returning guest Robert Yannis Jr., and we have a great conversation coming up. Lots of puzzle pieces, of course, lots of Sam Raimi in there, and uh, lots of other stuff as well. Before we get to the conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Podchaser or Spotify, wherever you're listening. If there's a five-star button, we'd appreciate it if you'd hit that. And follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Don't forget about our Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group also, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. So with all that said, let's talk about Doctor Strange. All right, Robert Yanis Jr. is back with us on the podcast to talk about Doctor Strange 2 in... No, it's not called Doctor Strange. It's called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> we're, we're talking Sam Raimi. That's the important thing here. How's it going, exactly. Robert? <laughs> it's going great, David. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm happy to have you. I was trying to think, like, who should I try to get for this episode? And then I was like... Who do I know that loves Evil Dead as much as I do? Because, of course, this is going to be a celebration of all things Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Evil Dead and all that stuff. And, of course, we talked about Evil Dead 2 over on your podcast and had a great time doing that. And so uh, I thought you'd be a great one for this. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And on on, on my show, we just finished doing the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah, so I heard uh, Josh Evil... Bell on there on the yeah, number so two. Yeah, so I've done the yeah. Evil Dead movies. And the Spider-Man movie. So both Raimi franchises have been covered. Maybe we'll get the crime wave one of these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're in Marvel territory here, of course. This is the, the latest of the MCU. I, I believe the 28th movie, if, if I'm not mistaken. That but sounds right. Now we've got the TV shows to contend with, too. And, and something that I noticed going into this, and we should probably just kind of chat about for a second before we get into puzzle pieces, is... 
I haven't watched the shows, but I've had enough spoiled that I wasn't like lost or anything. I understood the whole arc of the WandaVision show, and that's a big jumping off point for this movie, even though it's Doctor Strange's name in the title. Uh, it, it's very much like a follow-up to the, the WandaVision show. Are you a fan of the shows? I, I've been, yeah, I, yes, I am. I, I've watched all of them. I'm starting to... I've started to get a little bit of fatigue, not with the movies so mm. much, but with the shows because we're yeah. on the sixth Marvel Studios show in like the in like you know a little over a year. And so I've seen the first episode of Moon Knight as of this recording, and then haven't jumped in the rest of it. But all the other shows I've I've seen up to this point, uh, and okay. I, WandaVision was the first, and I still think the best, and mm. feels the freshest and the most. I don't know if any of these shows are really necessary, but the most <laughs> necessary as far as building out characters who that show creates a love story for Wanda and Vision that's completely off screen in the movies, which right. I think is the interesting thing because they they you know they meet in Age of Ultron, Civil War. There he obviously cares about her, and there's there's some mutual attraction, but not like a romance. Then we see them in Infinity War; they're together, and then he dies, and she's right. dusted, and so. Uh, if we don't really see them as a couple until WandaVision, I think that's kind of critical for, for building everything. And that was actually something I was going to ask you, because I know you, you're not really big on the Marvel shows. Did, how did that all play for you, that transition? Because a lot of people who even watch the shows are, have been, you know, kind of divisively debating whether Wanda's and obviously there's no spoiler, uh, no spoiler warning on this. Yeah. Spoiler, spoiler <laughs> away for sure. Obviously, uh, Wanda's transition here into a full-on villain—that uh, it, you know, feels a little, a little rough to even people who watch the show. So, going just by the movies, how was that for you coming into to this and be like, "Oh wow, okay, she's like full Dark Phoenix in this." This, this is going to be the rare time where I say, uh, "Thank God for Twitter for spoiling things for me," <laughs> because uh, yeah, otherwise I'd have had no idea. I'd have been like, "What is going on here?" Like you know, because yeah. if you're just going off the movies, especially if you're going off like Doctor Strange to Doctor Strange Two. I mean, I know obviously you need to incorporate all of the different MCU movies in order to really follow the story of all this stuff. So you can't just go off the first Doctor Strange. But right. yeah, th there's so much that you kind of need to know from that. Show show and and i really can't imagine somebody who doesn't spend their entire day on twitter like tweeting about their movie <laughs> podcast and seeing oh whoops there we go I, I guess now i know what happened on wandavision like if it wasn't for that yeah i have a feeling i'd have been incredibly lost yeah it, it it's the first time the, the 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 shows feel like i said necessary i guess to yeah. to really follow the emotional arc of a character it really does seem that way. But we're here now. We're we're into Doctor Strange 2. And uh, you know, I'm sure Wanda is gonna come up a lot through these puzzle pieces. I know I know they do for me. Yep. But something that I wanted to do, I usually I'll throw to my guests for the first piece, but I think we should kind of get the you know, the elephant in the room out of the way first. Uh, this is Sam Raimi's first movie in I believe nine years. Um, and we're big Sam Raimi fans, as I've already established. There's a lot of Raimi in this, so, so I think much. we should we should talk about some of that first, and we'll, we'll just kind of go back and forth talking about the various Raimi projects that may have been an influence on this movie. And this this movie isn't written by Sam Raimi; uh, it's written by Michael Waldron, uh, I believe, who yeah. wrote some of the was it the Loki, Loki show? I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and a bunch of other TV and stuff like that. So, you know, it definitely has other people's fingerprints on it, and including, of course, uh, Marvel's. They're not going to let, you know, even if he's Sam Raimi, they're not going to let him just do his own thing. But there, there's a lot of Raimi influence here. The first one I wanted to bring up, maybe the weirdest one uh, out of the bunch, would be Oz the Great and Powerful, which I've only okay. seen once. But when I first saw it, um, I was actually at a community event here in my neighborhood. Uh, I, I used to work with the, with the community, putting on events for kids in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And we do a movie night every so often, and we showed that, and I had never seen it. And I just couldn't believe my eyes as I was sitting there watching Army of Darkness for Kids. <laughs> which is what Oz the Great Powerful is. I need to go back and watch that movie. It's been, I haven't seen it since theaters. And I was like, I, I remember it as being, eh, you know, yeah, kind of in that eh. Alice in Wonderland, just overblown, over CG Disney, you know, vibe. That was kind of the big early stages of them remaking every IP they could get their hands on. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I need to go back and check it out now that I'm more, much more well-versed on my Raimi. Uh, mm -hmm. Having now seen pretty much all his movies, I, I yeah, I because I, I the obvious connection there is that's a Disney film, and that yeah. was this is a Disney film, and you know that that's sort of the he's kind of in house with Disney, I guess those last two movies. So we'll see if yeah. that continues or not. But yeah, that's yeah, an and I mean you you get the Raimi kind of like action and and his kind of like visual cues and 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 his kind of over the top fun and 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 weirdness and and exciting stuff but watered down a little bit for kids and and I feel like in parts it is like that here in Doctor Strange 2 but then when he does get a chance to like really let loose this movie gets to be a lot of fun I I had a lot of fun with Doctor Strange 2 for sure um but there's certainly moments where you kind of feel it that it's like oh wait we are still stuck in the Disney machine too though right right yeah yeah and then there's scenes where you're like whoa damn yeah yeah exactly <laughs> there yeah. there were so many times David during this movie that I was just like wow Disney let him get away with that I just it's just like and those are the best the, parts. Uh, the Illuminati stuff which we'll get into and then like the mm -hmm. music fight and all this others just like wow that's insane that yeah. that this is it that they made they let this happen uh in a good way <laughs> obviously I I mean I feel like we should just get out of the way one of the big ones the Spider-Man trilogy is the, is an sure. obvious one. I mean, I, I just spent three episodes talking about those movies. I spent three hours talking about the third one. Uh, so lots to not digging into a lot of content to dig into in those movies alone. But I would say that those more than the X-Men film uh, before it or anything, those really set the template for what Marvel on screen could could do, what it could be and how it could be true to the comics, but also fit into you know, mainstream entertainment for people that don't know who Thanos is at the end of the Avengers or anything. Sure. And so, uh, I, I mean, obviously that carries on here, but also just sort of the color palette. People love to rip into the grayness of Marvel movies on film Twitter, which yeah. there's not, and they're not entirely wrong. Uh, here there's a lot more color. It's a lot more vibrant than most of the Marvel movies, even little things like early on in the film, he's at, uh, Christine's wedding. And uh, there's the attack in the street, the big eyeball monster who's like Gargantos yeah. or something like that. And he kind of snaps his fingers or whatever. And then his cloak goes on and he floats out the out of the building. I was like, oh, this feels like a Doctor Strange movie directed by the guy that did Spider-Man 2. Sure, absolutely. It perfectly captures those moments where being a normal person and being a superhero collide. And I think you get a little bit of that, especially early on, before we start going through the multiverse and everything. And so... 
uh, that was just it, it felt like something out of one of his spider-man movies but with that this character so i really enjoyed seeing that and this is you know his first marvel movie since spider-man 3 it's sort of a return to form for him but also that movie was sort of divide uh divided fans quite a bit so it's it's fun to kind of see him back playing in this uh, sandbox again yeah, you kind of got to wonder, like, how long Faye has had it in the back of his mind, like, one of these days we're getting Raimi back into all this. Like, you know that he must have wanted to, even though he likes to have, like, a total grip on the direction of everything that, right. whoever, regardless of who's directing, but still, he must have wanted that at some point. I believe he even got his start, like, working on those movies, didn't he? Something I think like so. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, every once in a while, I go back and look through Kevin Feige's filmography, and he worked on these spy, those Spider-Man movies. He worked on Daredevil and, I think, the Blade Trinity and Punisher mm. Warzone, like, and, uh, the Fantastic Four movies from the, from the 2000s. So I feel like... Little by little, he's going to acknowledge all, all of those things that he's worked on as canon yeah. in the MCU. We're getting there. Nice, nice. Well, of course, we got to bring up the Evil Dead movies, uh, especially Army of Darkness, although you, you get little bits and pieces of, of the others as well, especially Evil Dead 2. But I mean, there, there's a Book of the Dead in this movie. I mean, right, right off the bat. I mean, come on. Like, that is that is totally uh, Army of Darkness and the entire Evil Dead series. Uh, also, the, the slam zooms, I, I think you would call it. The evil doppelgangers. Uh, Doctor Strange becomes a zombie, an evil version of himself. Like, th there's all of that kind of stuff. The manic energy of, of what we associate with the Evil Dead movies. Uh, horror comedy, horror, horror, like straight up horror. I mean, there, there's all of that in yeah. there, which is all of the touchstones of that series and what we love so much about it. And so it, it's, you know, it's still, as we're saying, there's a push-pull between like it being a Disney Marvel movie and it being a Sam Raimi movie, but you still get enough of that that there's a lot of fun in that if you're a fan of those movies. Yeah. Definitely. I also saw a little bit of Darkman in this too. I think nice. part of partially with the Doctor Strange corpse sort of being all mutilated and rotten, kind of like mm -hmm. Darkman's face is, is like melted away. Uh, partially a a good person sort of reemerging and in, in, as as it as in being perceived as as a monster by the people that they love, uh, as kind of similar to Wanda and her kids in this movie, and also. Darkman being a comic book movie that's not based on a comic book but feels like it's feels like a comic book it has that sort sure. of over the top energy it has a lot of the the hallmarks that we would have come to associate with Raimi and Spider-Man later on and also it's just a good opportunity to shout out Darkman which I feel like is in that when you get Raimi and his in his genre zone because he's done you know he's done more mature air quotes mature films like the sure. simple plan and the gift and for love of the game and things like that but when you're in like horror comic book zone sam raimi i feel like dark man is often the film that's sort of overlooked by by you know perhaps younger fans that didn't really know about him until spider-man so yeah. i feel like that's just a good opportunity to, to direct people to dark man because i want uh, a legacy sequel or something some kind of refresh of dark man please and I think it might happen. Uh, I, I, I actually so. haven't seen it since I was like a teenager and I'm looking forward to revisiting it one of these days because, uh, 
yeah, I, I'm in full Sam Raimi mode right now. I just watched yeah. The Quick and the Dead the other day, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching my next one. I was going to mention Drag Me to Hell for the first time in quite a while. Uh, hopefully this week. Uh, that that's like next on my watch list. But uh, you know, people are talking about the mean spiritedness of Drag Me to Hell and of yeah. a lot of stuff in in Raimi, which I think is just kind of ridiculous. I think it's more like the world kind of sucks and let's have fun you know <laughs> watch this terrible person have terrible things happen to them yeah why not you know and and so you know of course you know again spoiler alert you know we we, we get into spoilers you have to when you're talking about the influences and all this stuff yeah. uh, at the very end of the movie we get that end scene that's basically although it is upended by the uh mid-credit scene then when it turns out everything's kind of all right sort of but dr strange turns out is now that dark Doctor Strange from the other multiverse with the eyeball in his forehead. And so mm-hmm. th- that's kind of like a callback to the Drag Me to Hell ending. The other thing I think it's interesting about Drag Me to Hell is it's Raimi trying to do his evil dead thing in an age of CGI. And so Drag Me to Hell is him trying to split the difference and do some practical, some CG. And, and, I, and I think he pulls it off to great effect in that movie and largely in this one as well. So I think it, that was his first experience with uh, with really major horror sci-fi and it, it except for like some of the things he's done and obviously there's some horror elements in some of the spider films uh you know the specifically the doc ock surgery scene and sure. and some of the things with venom he's trying to do some of that same horror vibe but i think drag me to hell is him trying to do like okay how could i do that with this technology and use it but not lean on it too much and still have some of my practical effects makeup and things like that uh he's, he literally covered allison loman with like all kinds of viscous fluids in that yeah. in that movie and and so I, I it's i think it was a good uh it's a good like kind of stepping stone between evil dead and this movie absolutely absolutely so uh are there any other raimi movies you think we should shout out before we move on i mean those were the big ones i if you didn't mention drag me to hell i was going to so i'm glad yeah. somebody got it out there awesome all right cool well then let's move on to some other pieces what do you got for your next one well, this one, credit for this one goes to the people in the theater sitting behind me uh, <laughs> at Doctor Strange. It was like, this kind of reminds me of that Stephen King thing. And they were like talking to each other for a second, like, oh, this. And, uh, and they're like, Carrie. And I was like, oh, I'm going to mention that on the nice. podcast. <laughs> All uh, right. I definitely see a lot of Carrie. And I'm so glad that they said that because if I didn't bring that up, I would have felt dumb for not thinking of it for this mm. episode. So much of that, the you know the iconography of Wanda kind of covered in blood or oil at some point. It's the Ultron bots too. I think that's how this tries to get around being so quite so graphic that she just tears apart the Ultron bots and has I think oil on her face and stuff sure. at one point. Yeah. Her you know having these insane telekinetic powers, being kind of out of control and all of that. There's a lot of there's a lot of Carrie sort of baked into the the at least the visual imagery in this film. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I had Carrie on my list as well. I, okay, I, and I, I love I love that you brought some uh, puzzle pieces from the audience. That that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> just worked out. Yeah. It just worked out that way. Never <laughs> that's happened. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I I think a lot of my pieces, if the, they're either going to have to do with multiverse related stuff yeah. or Wanda's character, because quite frankly. And I feel like this is, you know, one of the the big 
quibbles I have with this film is that it is more of a WandaVision sequel than it is mm-hmm. a Doctor Strange sequel. And I, I love Elizabeth Olsen and I think that this character is great. It's just, you know, it's supposed to be Doctor Strange too, right. you know, it's not supposed to be WandaVision too. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she gets to do so much in this. There's so much to her character in this. The, the, it's it's There's a lot to it. And I think it's going to come up a lot uh, through this conversation. I'll go to my next piece, which is, I, I'm going to bring up, two things in one here the first one is probably an obvious one for anyone who listens to the show it's the matrix for the mouth scene of course uh and you know in the first matrix with agent smith what good is a phone call if you're unable to speak and here scarlet witch says to black bolt what mouth about his voice powers and then he proceeds to explode his own brain by speaking (laughs) within himself which by the uh, way yeah. Props to Marvel for that deep cut. That actor, Anson Mount, played that character on the Inhuman show that literally no one watched, that right. everyone hated, that lasted less than a season. And still, you know, they were like, no, no, we're going to bring him in. We're going to yeah. acknowledge that that kind of counts in one of the multiverses of, of this whole thing. Absolutely. And, and I think that that is great. Like, honestly, even though I, you know, like I said, I didn't watch the shows. I, 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 I don't, I barely know who Reed Richards is, you know, like yeah. I, I don't like have that understanding because I watched the MCU movies and that's basically it and the Spider-Mans. Um, so I don't, I, you know, I'm not as deep of a fan as some people are going to be, but I think it's awesome to have all those kinds of Easter yeah. eggs and to be able to call back to those things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then The Matrix is one I had, but I was going to not mention it because I know that you you and Erica brought it up on uh, the Everything Everywhere All at Once episode, Uh which I guess I can put that out there as a quasi-puzzle piece. And since that was such a recent film, I'll also throw in another multiverse one, Happy Death Day to You, which is incidentally a film I'm going to be covering on my podcast in in the coming weeks which is very much the concept of the life you could have had. Also, you know, screw it. Also, we'll throw sliding doors in there. The Gwyneth Paltrow movie from, what, 1997, I think? Something like that? Eight, maybe? Uh, They're all about the life you could have had, the decisions you could have made. And specifically Mm -hmm. with Happy Death Day to You, there's, there's a choice that the character in that movie, Tree, has to make that she can stay in the alternate universe and live this life where her mother is alive or go back to where she came from. And the idea being that if she stays in this universe, this isn't her life. There's another her that belongs in that universe. And Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness has this very similar question with Wanda. If she goes to uh, what is it? Earth 838, where the alternate Wanda is, she's pushing that Wanda out of her own life. Right, and taking right. over and robbing those that Billy and Tommy of their mother. So it very much has this very similar sort of dilemma of, yeah, you can live that life that you think you want, but you're upending someone else's existence Absolutely. in order to yeah. do that. And I think yeah. that's a really interesting idea that uh, Doctor Strange, Happy Death Day to you and uh, everything everywhere all at once tackle in really interesting ways. And to that point, to bring it back to the Matrix, also the recent Matrix Resurrections with the Trinity character, uh, whether or not she's going to take over this person who's just kind of gone on living as this other character that Carrie Ann Moss is playing, got married, had kids, but 
it's Trinity and we want her to still be Trinity, you know? And so, yeah, she, she has to make that decision whether or not to be the other person from the other universe in that case, the, uh, from the real world. So yeah, there, there's a lot of movies that are dealing with that and, and the consequences of, of switching universes, switching your place in the world. And by the way, yeah, everything everywhere all at once, obviously we're going to say too new to be an actual puzzle piece, yeah. but how did we get two multiverse movies in one year that both feature people getting mustard squirted on themselves? <laughs> like, what, what are the odds? <laughs> Absolutely uh, ridiculous. So I'll go into another piece. I One thing in the movie that I was thinking, I, I kind of wish there were more jumping through different universes because I thought that was fun to like, you know, all oh, the red light and the green light are switched around or there's pizza balls. Shout out to our boy. <laughs> pizza Bruce Papa. Gamble, yeah. P- the pizza Papa. Um, I felt for the little bit where we are learning about the different universes, which I, like I said, I wish there was more of that kind of felt a little like demolition man when we're in the future and learning okay. about all the little, the little tiny ways the three that the is different. The, the seashells, of course. <laughs> and, and all those, all those little things that you get to find out. And it's fun like to kind of, uh, I don't know, using the, using these alternate universes as a way of just having those little changes, little things you can like kind of make a little list of and be like, Oh yeah, I noticed that change and this change and all these little different things. And, mm. uh, that, that kind of brought me back to demolition, man. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one. I I was nice. thinking sort of in a similar vein. I I had a little bit of when they finally landed on uh, again Earth eight three eight. I think, uh, and it's everything is backwards, and it's everything seems a little. How do you keep track? I have no idea. <laughs> I know it gets really convoluted. It's only going to get worse, David, as yeah, we go yeah. through the multiverse. Uh, everything seems a little too shiny, a little too clean, a little too perfect. And then obviously the dark underbelly of what's going on, what happened with the Illuminati and what Mm -hmm. that version of Strange uh, actually ended up turning into. Uh, It felt a little like Back to the Future 2 when they go through to 2015 and everything is all neon signs and there's the holographic Jaws poster. uh, And then, you know, Marty kind of uncovers his own personal darkness, which is, well, actually that's kind of the alternate, I guess that's the alternate timeline, but we're dealing with like, shiny new like seemingly utopian environment but with like this darkness sense of doom underpinning it and i think uh them kind of walking around that version of earth and sort of looking around and and kind of acquainting themselves with i got a lot of doc brown and marty mcfly vibes nice yeah absolutely and again like yeah it's it's kind of hard to like separate like a different universe from just the future. Like it's right. kind of like similar ideas in the way that exactly. you change things up. So yeah, yeah. no, I, I love that. Back to the future too as a piece here. That's great. I will go to another piece. Let's go Inception. You know, talking about, you know, things where there's different universes, you know, in Inception, we're going from within a dream to a dream to a dream and, and, Everything can be like screwed up by messing with one dream to mess with the other. And here, I think it's called an incursion. Is that what it's called? Where they might yeah. two mo- the two entire... universes collide? I guess. Yeah, and everybody just dies. And yeah, so there's just like big stakes to to screwing up the switching between the universes. And of, of course, that also brings back to the whole uh, dilemma with the Wanda character and taking over another person and and basically just scrambling reality for those people. And and so. You know, Inception is another movie where, like, you're you're switching between these different timelines, different universes, different whatever it is, and there's lots of, like, rules to follow and lots of sci-fi stuff to keep track of. And it gets, you know, really head-trippy, but mm-hmm. that's part of what we come to, like, a Doctor Strange movie for. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, one, I was trying to avoid mostly Marvel movies for this mm-hmm. episode because it'd be very easy to be like, well, all 27 previous movies in the MCU and sure, WandaVision, yeah. but those are not puzzle pieces. Those are continuation. That's literally the same franchise. Um, this hasn't officially been brought into the MCU yet, but I had to throw out Deadpool 2 for mm-hmm. the obvious <laughs> the obvious uh taking a an extended period to introduce an, a whole new set of characters only to rapidly kill them all off uh yeah. you know in there it's x-force so we meet all these characters the whole recruitment montage of them bringing in all these all these other heroes that are going to go on this mission with deadpool and cable and domino and here we meet the illuminati all these cameos that everyone's talking about uh, and then we watch uh, all of them get brutally murdered. Like a- yes. again, this is where everyone is is up in arms about the PG thirteen. Uh, we get to see uh, Patrick Stewart's Charles Xavier get killed for the third or fourth time, uh, <laughs> which which might be the most shocking because everyone's like oh, they're gonna connect it. It's the one from the animated series, and and it was it was Marvel just messing with us. We think it's it's unclear. It's unclear right. if, if if John Krasinski is Reed Richards or if that was just to get us all to shut up. Either way, uh, I both am, as a viewer, kind of frustrated that they spent so much time on that because part of me is like, well, you spent all that just so you can, like, it didn't go anywhere just to build up the stakes of, of Wanda's power. But at the other, on the other hand, you know, respect for them to just yeah. be like, you want all these cameos? Look at all these cameos. Now they're dead. Now, now what? Film Twitter. Good luck. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I, how did you feel about that sequence? Did you did you like it? Or are you like, eh, this feels like it's taking away from the Doctor Strange? We already have Wanda taking away a lot of the spotlight from Doctor Strange. Not that I'm exactly. complaining. But yeah. did, did you feel like this was another unnecessary uh, kind of distraction? I mean... It, I'm so torn on it because I do feel like it's an yeah. unnecessary distraction, but it was really fun. And yeah. I, I love the idea. As someone who's kind of an outsider looking in, I'm like, haha, nerds, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that it was a great sequence. It was really fun. Um, I, I don't know if it was necessary, but it was fun to watch. And it, it's fun to see the fallout of it. Um, I'll also say to your Deadpool 2 puzzle piece, also you've got the kid that has to travel around with our hero, yeah. who yeah. here we're, we're introduced to America Chavez who may or may not be a big you know character going forward it's really hard to tell post end game who is going to stick around and who isn't in the in this whole overall series but um it's, there certainly seems like they're setting her up for more big things it's all speculation everyone's assuming that they're building to young avengers i know she's a, a part of that team so uh, yeah, i'm sure we'll see her around some somewhere i think it's interesting that they have a character that could just universe hop so they can literally be like oh we need a you know a mutant come back with you jackman here's wolverine he's gonna join us for this adventure like you can it's like a shortcut now they don't have to constantly rationalize why patrick stewart is here or why you know toby Maguire shows up or whatever it's just like they she could just hold on let me make a quick let me make a quick visit to that other universe yeah no absolutely uh i'll go with the witch robert eggers the witch as a puzzle piece again we're talking about wanda um again it's basically wanda's movie but you know is is this character bad because of the expectations we're putting on this young woman for what you know she should want and what you know uh what she should see as a as a positive future you know this is what she wants she wants a family she wants she wants to have this uh this whole thing from the 
TV show that I know nothing about, but I can at least, you know, draw the lines and, and understand where she's coming from. I know this has been a big part of the, uh, I don't want to say controversy because it's more so the R rating is the controversy, but I would say maybe just the uh, differing opinions online about how successful this movie is, is whether or not, you know, Wanda should be treated as a bad guy, bad girl, right. but, and, and she very much is in this movie. And I think that kind of goes back to the whole witch thing and witch is being portrayed as bad in basically yeah. every movie. Yeah. That no, and, and the witch kind of reckons with that like you can see that ending as triumphant or right. you know, disturbing or Depends or both. On how you look at I think it. it's kind of a little bit of both. I think it's supposed to be a little bit of both. Uh that character, Thomason in that film, and I also had the witch, by the way. Nice. Uh that that, you know, she kind of she's in a much better place at the end in a way than she is at the beginning. Yeah. It took the, de the death of her family and her becoming a witch and everything for that to happen. But Hey, who am I to stand in the way of her happiness? Exactly. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it's also, you know, this movie, a lot of, especially female film critics I've seen have take issue with the way that, that uh, her, you know, Wanda uses her motherhood as her justification for yeah. what she's doing. She all, but you know, on a more objectively, she does give strange, Lots of warnings. Listen, yeah. you know, let's uh, you give me that one girl. You're willing to protect that one girl and let all these people die for that. You know, that's sort of the 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 ethos of the the Marvel movies. It goes back to Infinity War, where Captain America's like, uh, we don't trade lives, and Doctor yeah. Strange is very much the same kind of thing. Which is interesting because in in Infinity War, he was like, I don't care if you die, or Spider Man dies, or whatever. I'm going to protect the Time Stone. So we, I think that's sort of his arc here is kind of believing in people as opposed to just, you know, the mission. And uh, it's, you know, in direct contrast with hers, obviously. And that's, I think, what makes it such an interesting film. Whether you love it or hate it, it's, it's a conversation starter. And I think that's something we haven't had from a Marvel movie in a while, other than, ooh, wasn't that cool when the portal opened and Andrew Garfield jumped through? Uh, it sure was cool, though. So I, I'm it, sure was, it was. It was. Cool. People were happy. People were very happy. <laughs> so what do you got for your next one? Uh, I have a, a couple to lean into the horror of it all. Uh, it's specifically inspired by that moment where they are hiding from Wanda and she's using the reflections to uh, to come out of the, the mirror dimension, which a cool what a cool sequence scene. that was. Yeah. And she she climbs through uh, like a gong, I think. And she twists and contorts her body in order to do so. And that simultaneously reminded me of The Ring sure. with some, uh, Samara coming out of the, the television and uh, the 2017 It with Pennywise sort of all twisted yeah, up yeah, yeah. in uh, a refrigerator, I think it is in that film. And just the, the, the contortions that her body was doing throughout felt very in line with both of those films. And it's, again, part of the kind of imagery that I was like, I can't believe that... Kevin Feige let the stand like they're trying, they're selling toys and and everything <laughs> from this movie and they, there's little kids probably going to be traumatized from watching this kind of stuff. Uh, I, as an adult, I loved it, but as a father with a five year old, I'm like, well, she's not watching this for a while. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's going to have to wait until the next phase at least. Yeah, yeah, it'll be on. We'll be on phase <laughs> seven or something by then. Uh, but yeah, so I I really appreciated all just how far this movie went with some of the horror imagery. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I had the ring on my list as well. And nice. yeah, that, that that whole sequence is just so cool. And the, you're right. I mean, they do let him go really far with that, with, with making it genuinely creepy the way that she's coming out of that and just writhing around and all that stuff. Some really cool stuff there. Yeah, that actually speaks to my last puzzle piece then, uh, which is 
really not so much a specific movie. Um, although I guess I would use Poltergeist, but also maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark or maybe Gremlins. Just intense PG-13 movies that really push that limit before getting the R. And this, of course, comes back to this conversation we're having about, you know, how violent, how scary is this movie? You know, it's not particularly gory necessarily, mm -hmm. but Sam Raimi gets to do a lot of fun horror tricks that are probably pretty scary for kids. <laughs> and, you know, in the 80s, I think we had a lot more of that. Like, it was actually, things were a lot scarier back then, and they've kind of shied away from it in mainstream, less than R movies lately. I, I remember, actually, another one you could kind of throw to the list is uh, Shazam a couple years ago. Had yeah. a lot of that kind of, like, scary kind of, you know, that imagery. scene in the boardroom specifically. It's yeah. Just like, yeah. And it really totally intense. reminded me of an 80s movie in that way. And so, yeah, I, th I feel like people used to do it a lot more back then. And we kind of, I don't know what happened that we got scared of scaring kids, but um, maybe that's back. We'll see. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I also had Poltergeist and uh, Beetlejuice and all those like Amblin-y mid-80s, mid-late-80s stuff that, that you had. I even had Aliens because I know the Waldron kind of referenced that for the uh the illuminati sequence how nice. the xenomorphs knock off uh all of the marines sort of to build up to like the, <laughs> the the stakes and and just how badass uh that's you know the, awesome. these aliens are so i i guess that's the one i'll go with for this turn is <laughs> is aliens because i i agree with you like there is there is a sort of horror sci-fi vibe going on here that i feel like hasn't really been seen very much since the 80s it's it's scary but it's also like it's also not you know, exorcist kind of level disturbing it's scary right. fun and it's maybe too intense for small kids but like 12 year olds will go see this and be like oh my god did you believe can you believe this you know yeah the, it'll be right in that zone for those kids who who you know probably will then get them hopefully to go back and look at some of Raimi's own other movies the ones yes. that they're ready for this would probably have been like kids like us when we were kids, like our favorite movie, like yeah. when we saw it and it would have opened our minds to so much crazy shit. Uh, but nowadays, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if kids are into uh, this kind of stuff, but you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's certainly making money. We'll, we'll yeah. see when more kids get to see it. But uh, yeah, do you have any other pieces you wanted to bring up? I had also Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings kind of magical battles. There's a scene mm. where Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch are facing off with kind of blasting each other. Very Harry and Voldemort. I had Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. Okay. The Good Witch going bad, sort of corrupted yeah. by dark magic. Very mm -hmm. similar to that. I had uh, a couple Disney movies. Moana actually kind of ends with the the villain sort of turning good or like I don't know if you've seen Moana but there's like this dark volcano haven't. mountain that at the end when Moana kind of sees that character for who they are they sort of soften and brighten up and and it kind of showed me it kind of reminded me of that here where America is realizes she can't overpower uh Scarlet Witch so she actually gives her what she wants and basically oh, shows okay. her who she is yeah, by bringing her to that to that earth and letting her see how the kids react to her and what the yeah. damage that she's really causing. That's funny because I had that as a note on my list of like find a movie where something like that happens where the villain can't be stopped, but you know right. has to basically be talked out yeah. of her own plan by seeing her own you know her own faults. But uh, exactly. yeah, I couldn't think of one for that, so that's great. 
There you go. And it's a Disney movie too. There you go. And uh, Hocus Pocus because that also has a movie where a a corpse is sort of reanimated. Uh, here it's by possession. There it's by witchcraft, like resurrecting the soul of uh, of the person through their corpse. But yeah. it, it's still seeing that 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 sort of reminded me of uh, of something from that movie. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll go down the finished puzzle here and then we'll get into some closing thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We talked about Oz the Great and Powerful, the Spider-Man trilogy, the Evil Dead trilogy, Darkman, and Drag Me to Hell. That was a whole bunch of Sam Raimi. Then we got into Carrie, The Matrix and The Matrix Resurrections, Happy Death Day to You, Sliding Doors, Everything Everywhere All at Once, of course, had to just show up somewhere in this. Uh, Demolition Man, Back to the Future 2, Inception, Deadpool 2, The Witch, The Ring, and It. Poltergeist, Beetlejuice, Aliens, Shazam, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Moana. Oh, and Hocus Pocus as well. Um, what a film festival that lineup would be. Oh, oh my go God. There. Sounds Just awesome. so much over-the-top wild <laughs> stuff happening. I mean, that's what happens when you get Sam Raimi involved, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, come on. Uh, one thing I'll kind of just throw out there as far as uh, closing thoughts, we didn't really bring up the uh, music note battle, which is just... <sighs> So, so cool. Awesome. And to me, that is like the the perfect melding of like over the top Sam Raimi and yeah, it's a Disney movie, you know, <laughs> like we're getting <laughs> both sides of that, you know, maybe a little Fantasia or something like that. And there is another. Yeah, piece. that would have been a good puzzle piece. Throw that in yeah. there. Absolutely. No, that was, that was one of those sequences. Was like, I this is happening in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not because of the violence, because of how weird it is. Like, I'm yep. surprised that they let it slide. Yeah, uh, and that's what I that's what I wanted from this is for Raimi yeah. to get to be weird. I mean, it, how often is Raimi going to get to you know have this kind of budget and have you know the ability to basically do anything you can kind of throw your mind to? But then he doesn't really because he's kind of also beholden to you know it has to fit the the template of the whole Marvel right. thing. So so it's kind of a little yin and yang kind of situation. But uh, there's enough good here. Also, we we should talk a little more about Pizza Papa. Um, <laughs> Bruce it's <Campbell's> over. Back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I I I was so happy at that that final end end credit. Maybe the best end credit scene of all time of any of these MCU movies. Uh, when when Pizza Papa finally stops hitting himself in classic <laughs> Evil Dead Two fashion, yells at the camera, "It's over." I was waiting so for. Funny. I was uh, kind of half expecting fists to come out from all corners, like the skeletons in Army yeah. of Darkness, just like <laughs> out of nowhere, <laughs> like six fists come and punch him. Uh, yeah, no, and it, and I love that it works as as a litmus test for people watching this movie who are yeah. Sam Raimi fans or people who are Marvel fans going to see it, and just like some people reacting and some people being like, I don't understand why is that such a big deal. Uh, yeah. and, and to those people, I say, shame on you. Yes. Educate yourselves. <laughs> we just gave you a list of films to watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up on Doctor Strange. Uh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, actually, on for my show, Franchise Detours, I think the next one we're going to be talking about, uh, and the next episode I'm posting is on the 
two sister act films from the early 90s. And these are nice. movies that I haven't seen in 15 to 20 years. And th they're both a lot of fun. The first one, especially, I was like, damn, this is it's a well-written film. We ha I had a really good conversation with uh, Phoenix from the Film Code podcast about those two movies. And I feel like it's one of those movies that a lot of people are just younger people might be just writing off. It's like, ah, oh, Whoopi is a nun. I don't need to see that. I'm like, there's more going on here. Yeah. I think and this that movie was like legit a phenomenon in the early 90s was everywhere she was nominated for a golden globe and it became now a stage musical so sister act three I think is coming up at some point this year last next year it's unclear on Disney plus so it's in the Disney realm because that's a touchstone picture that uh, is so primed for a legacy sequel yeah that's right that's kind of perfect yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And they're on Disney Plus. So when you're done rewatching WandaVision, go over and watch Sister Act and get ready for, for our episode on Franchise Detours on that. Nice. Absolutely. And tell people where they can find Franchise Detours and everything else you're up to. Yeah, you can find us. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a whole bunch of other podcatchers as well as CrookedTable.com. Uh, franchise detours where we uh, we look at movies one uh, installment is of a time we just finished spider-man filmed by sam raimi i'm doing a few standalones and then i'm doing the eight theatrical muppet films which i have not recorded those yet but i'm getting this process of starting to line those up so though that should be a lot of fun talk about nostalgia uh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to be mostly in the seventies and eighties and nineties with those. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and I also have another podcast called close watch with Robert Yannis jr. That's kind of on minor hi hiatus. I'm really kind of just building up franchise detours right now. Uh, but that on that show, we get to know guests through the movies they love and, uh, yeah, they can find those anywhere they listen to podcasts and I'm on Twitter at crooked table. Awesome. Well, Robert, thank you so much for doing the show again, and hopefully we'll get you back again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks, David. This was a blast. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harris, and we co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Thanks to Robert Yannis Jr. for joining me on that one. Make sure to check out his episode on Evil Dead 2 that I was on. We had a lot of fun talking about that. And, uh, yeah, that does it for today. Uh, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure that if you're enjoying what we do here on Piecing It Together, that you are subscribed wherever it is that you're listening. And if there happens to be a five-star button, we'd appreciate it if you hit that. Maybe leave a little review. Uh, you could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, from my music career, 
Lots of great stuff there as far as piecing it together is concerned. We currently have uh, advanced episodes on Uncharted, The Lost City, which will actually be hitting the main piecing it together feed next week, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and The Northman. So you can listen to all those right now if you sign up over at patreon.com slash Rosen, And then they'll, of course, eventually make their way to the main feed. And more bonus content will hit the Patreon. So, yeah, if you really like the show... Go check that out. And uh, there will be some more music stuff hitting there soon. I'm currently in the middle of scoring a feature film and working on another album. And there'll be more and more snippets and, you know, advanced pieces of music and all that kind of stuff hitting the Patreon soon. Let's end this with a piece of my music like I always do. I'm uh, trying to think of something that is uh, kind of magical and crazy and multiversal for Doctor Strange. Uh, I'm going to go with a track called Wonder from my last full-length album, the self-titled David Rosen album. Uh, I love this track. I I've always This is one of my favorite pieces on the album. So uh, I, I think it's a good fit for this. Hope you enjoy it. It's called Wonder. The album's out wherever you can find music. So go check out the rest of the album, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.